what would Christ want to say to all of us at the 10th anniversary of New City Church? As I wrestled with this question for three to, we three to four weeks, I've been wrestling with this, I kind of sensed God giving me an answer. A faithful God, a steadfast God, an unchanging God would tell us on our 10th anniversary exactly what he told us at the beginning of the church plant. You know, 10 years might be a long time for all of us. A little boy has grown up to be an entrepreneur. We've grown up, Ajay and I, we've grown up. 10 years may seem like a long time for us, but in God's scheme of things, in his eternal existence, 10 years is not even a nanosecond. And since our God is so steadfast and unchanging, we can rest assured that what he laid on our hearts at the beginning of the church plant still holds true. So what did God lay on our hearts at the beginning of the church plant 10 years ago? One of the Bible passages that has most significantly shaped New City's vision and philosophy of ministry from the very beginning was the prayer that King Solomon prayed at the time he built and dedicated a temple to God. We can read of, the, read of this in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And this passage, this prayer that Solomon prayed, captures the full vision of New City Church. And so this is the passage I prayerfully chose to preach this morning. Allow me to read for us 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 24 to 33. It will come up for us on screen. If your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you, this is Solomon praying, and they turn again and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them again to the land that you gave them and to their fathers. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place, toward this temple, and acknowledge your name and turn away from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain among them, rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locust or caterpillar, if their enemies besiege them in the land at their gates, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing his own affliction and his sorrow and stretching out his hands toward this house, this temple that Solomon had built, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways for you. You only know the hearts of the children of mankind that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days that they live in the land that you gave to, your, to our fathers. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel 
comes from a far country from this, for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, this temple, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do the people of Israel that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. This is the word of the Lord. Very, very early in New City, God began to lay this passage very powerfully on many of our hearts. Asha and Cindy will remember this. Felix and Taro will remember this, I'm sure. Ten years later, as you saw from the video in those two testimonies, we are still holding fast to the truths of the passage, of this passage, in how we live and in all that we do as a church. There are only two central themes in this prayer of Solomon. We will look at both the themes today. The first theme in Solomon's prayer is repentance. Roughly 90% of this prayer is repentance. Let me quickly summarize this prayer. In the very first sentence, that's verse 21, we did not read that. In the sentence, Solomon begins his prayer by pleading, listen to our prayers when we pray toward this temple and forgive us. Then Solomon goes, goes on. If Israel is defeated by an enemy because of her sins, when the people repent and pray toward this temple, forgive and restore them. When there are no rains, when there is famine, or when there's pestilence because Israel has sinned, and when people turn toward the temple and pray, repenting, forgive and restore them. When people are taken captive to a distant land because of their sin, when they repent and pray toward the temple, forgive and restore them. We can sum up 90% of Solomon's prayer of dedication at the temple in one sentence. When people sin, but they turn to you, O oh God, and repent, please forgive them. This theme of people repenting and God forgiving them is repeated five times in this prayer. You see, Solomon, King Solomon, understood the heart of man and he understood the heart of God. Solomon understood the faithlessness of man and he understood the faithfulness of God. Solomon understood that repentance and faith is the only way that we could ever draw close to God. In New City, this daily repenting for our sins and believing in Jesus for our forgiveness and for our transformation is what we call ongoing gospel renewal. And just like the central message of this temple dedication was repentance and faith, the central message of New City from the very beginning has been repentance for our sins and faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who died bearing the punishment for all of your sins and mine upon himself. All of us, we need gospel renewal every single day. New City has this tool called Community Bible Reading or Seeing Jesus Together. Every day we read a chapter of the Bible and we ask ourselves this very simple question. What is the sin in me 
that this passage, this word of God, is calling me to consider and to repent and to believe in Jesus for his salvation. Just as a human being cannot survive without breathing in oxygen and breathing out carbon dioxide, believers cannot flourish unless we breathe in Christ and we breathe out our own sinfulness in repentance. Gospel renewal, repentance and faith is the foundation, is the life breath of all growth in Christ Jesus. What I may have said, what I just said may be very obvious. But it's just amazing how we all stray away from the simple need to repent of our sins and believe in Christ over and over and over again every single day of our lives. There are two kinds of people who stray away, who drift away from ongoing gospel renewal. The first group of people who miss out on gospel renewal are people who think they are good Christians. Surprising. People who think they are good Christians think they're doing all the right things. They, they believe that because they're doing all the right things, they're being good Christians, they've been good Christians from the time they were born, good in Sunday school, good in church, serving everywhere. People think that because they're good Christians, they've been serving and doing all these things. God is happy with them because of their good works. These people can't see their sins. They feel they're living good lives, so they don't really feel the need for a savior. If the first group can't see their sins, we, these, we call them, these are legalistic people, and there's a legalist hiding in every one of you and me, I can assure you. If the first group can't see their sins, the second group of people who drift away from the, from the gospel won't see their sins. There's a second group of people who will never acknowledge their sin. They will always brazen it out. This is how I will live. I will not change. God had better love me. This group will always justify their sins. We call them licentiousness. We call this licentiousness. This group will also miss out on the beauty of grace. Both groups those that can't see their sin and those that won't see their sins will miss out on enjoying God's grace. The third group are people who see their sin and their brokenness and coming and come running to Jesus in faith. The third group are people who will build a temple to God but will acknowledge their own sinfulness and their need for Christ their savior. This group is open and honest and vulnerable about their struggles. This group is honest and owns up to their sinfulness. This group acknowledges their anxieties and failures and struggles and brokenness. This group reaches out to help for gospel community. This group asks for help this group run, runs to Jesus. This group repents of their sins and believe in Jesus 
every day. The first group cannot see their sins, and so they cannot see Christ. The second group will not see their sins, and therefore they will not see Christ. The third group, and only the third group, sees both their sins, but for every look at their sin, every one look at their sin, they take ten looks at Jesus, our Savior, who died and rose again to wipe out our sins completely. This is the group that will grow the most in Christ. <clears throat> Which group do you belong to? Where do you stand this morning? <clears throat> in the next 10 years, New City is going to need a lot of leaders as we plan churches. We're going to need a lot of leaders. Who do you think God is going to raise to leadership? It is people who are honest and vulnerable in their repentance and both humble and bold in their faith in Jesus, our Savior. This is the kind of leaders that New City is looking for. This is the kind of leaders that Jesus is looking for. That's the first theme of Solomon's prayer. Repentance and faith, ongoing gospel renewal. The second theme that Solomon really focused on in his prayer while dedicating his, this temple is mission. Look at verses 32 and 33 in the passage I just read out. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel come from a far country, for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do what he asks. And Solomon goes on to pray so that they may know, so, they, so that in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name. You see, in the middle of this deep, and thoughtful prayer, in the middle of this deep and thoughtful prayer of repentance for chosen Israel, Solomon unexpectedly flings open the door of God's grace wide open to all the nations. This is an Old Testament king who is being so missional, so evangelistic in his prayer in his public worship at the temple. It's quite obvious from this prayer that Solomon expected and planned for foreigners seeking God to come to Israel's exclusive worship, public worship, at the temple that he built. Solomon did not pray if the foreigners come. He prayed when the foreigners come here and bless them a lot. Mission was central in Solomon's prayer and worship at the temple. The people Solomon refers to as foreigners in his prayer are the people we refer to as explorers in your city. Explorers are people who do not yet accept or who do not yet worship Jesus as their savior, but they're curious about Jesus. They're interested in Jesus. They're, their hearts are longing for Jesus. Maybe in a way, they're not able to articulate this longing themselves. 
And every Sunday, our desire is to have explorers among the midst, just as King Solomon prayed that foreigners would exist and come to the temple that he is dedicating. And today and every week, we have explorers in our midst who feel loved, accepted, welcomed, who are given the space to make their journey toward Christ at their pace. We don't shove Christ down anybody's throat. Jesus doesn't need that. He's beautiful enough. We just need to proclaim the gospel, and his beauty is enough to draw the hearts of explorers to him. That's one of the reasons we celebrate the gospel. From the very beginning, from day one, at New City, we believed all public worship must be a triangle. Believers worshiping Christ, but also inviting explorers to also worship Christ. At New City, we believe public worship like this must never be a mere two-dimensional affair of believers worshiping Christ. We believe in every church, public worship like this must always be a three-dimensional triangle, believers worshiping Jesus and inviting explorers to also worship Christ. If this was what King Solomon did in the Old Testament... How much more on this side of the cross, our worship here in church every Sunday, how much more should that be missional and evangelistic? New City, we believe all public worship is a triangle. Believers worshiping Christ, but also inviting explorers to worship Christ. One more thing. These two themes in Solomon's prayer, repentance and mission, they are not disconnected. They are not two separate things. They are deeply interconnected. In big cities like Mumbai, it is amazing how similar the sins of believers are to the sins of explorers. Explorers and believers living in a city like Mumbai struggle with the same temptations. We struggle with the same sins. For example, both believers and explorers and Ben and I, we all and all of you, we all struggle with the idolatry of work and pride and fear associated with our careers just as much as an explorer struggles with these sins. And so, when we as believers repent genuinely, it becomes quite easy for explorers to identify with us first in our sins and second in our repentance and through our repentance also in our faith in Jesus. When we repent of our work idolatry and run to Christ and when explorers see us, they know there is a Savior who forgives and understands. As believers publicly and genuinely repent of the same things that explorers do struggle with, we open a gospel pathway through which explorers can find Jesus for themselves. 
when our worship services, when our congregations are characterized by repenting of our idolatries, of the idolatries of the culture, mission, evangelism, becomes natural and spontaneous. Mission becomes embedded in our worship, and Jesus becomes the hero. True and genuine and heartfelt repentance of believers, our repentance as believers, as followers of Christ, can be a powerful and enduring and enduring evangelistic experience for explorers. Your repentance and mine, and your faith in Jesus and mine, is the best evangelism for explorers, is the best way we can help explorers see tangibly the love of this beloved Son of God who laid his life down for us. And so just as Solomon dedicated the temple with a prayer of repentance and mission, we have been planting, all of us together have been planting New City on these two pillars of repentance and faith and mission. We must never drift away from these two things. Let me close with one last thought. Given Solomon's emphasis on repentance, it is quite obvious that he built the temple as a space where sinful men and women can repent and receive God's gracious forgiveness. The temple was a space where people could experience repentance and God's forgiveness. And in building the temple as a sacred space of repentance and faith, Solomon truly understood the gospel of grace. This is one reason that hundreds of years later, Jesus equated himself to the temple. At one time, when he walked the earth, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will rise it up. Jesus wasn't referring to the physical temple. He was referring to himself. Jesus was making this unmistakable connection between himself and this temple. He was making that connection because indeed Jesus is the true and the better temple. It is only in the atoning death and the resurrection of Christ that we can find repentance and faith. For all of us, all of us who believe in Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross, bearing the punishment for our sins, and because he rose again from the dead, it is no longer the temple that is our meeting space between God and man, but it is Jesus himself who is the meeting place between God and man. Jesus is the sacred space in which you and I experience repentance and forgiveness. And this is why, unlike Jews, Christians don't have temples. We have the local church, the body of Christ, where we commune with God 
in Jesus the sacred space of our repentance and our faith. And as we move towards communion this morning, celebrating 10 years of New City, I want to invite us to consider a simple question. Jesus gave his body to save us. Will you give your lives to build his body, the local church? Jesus gave his body to save us. Will we give our lives to build his body, the local church? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for as your people, Lord, declared during the time of worship, and they used menti to declare it, that in New City Church, Christ is all in all. We are made for God through Christ. And in, in New City, Lord, all that we preach is Christ and Him crucified. No man, no woman, nothing except Jesus. And Lord, we've seen how you have changed people and built your church through the faithful preaching of the gospel. So many people, Lord, serving and preaching the gospel in so many ways. As you have been with us these past 10 years, be with us, Lord, even more so in the next 10 and the next 10 and the next 10 till Christ comes again. May New City Church ever be faithful in her worship, in her love, in her devotion, and in her, in her obedience to Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord, Spirit of God. We welcome you. We invite you, Lord. Come and fill every one of our hearts and us together as a church that we might glorify Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.